Hey guys, what's up? It is Saturday, January 25th, 2020. It is about 3.41 p.m. in the afternoon on this Saturday. Yes, I did say Saturday. Yes, it is the afternoon. And if you are wondering, you know, do I have my door closed? What's the occasion? You can hear right there. Uh, basically, um, if you will, it is not closed. The reason being is of right now, my mom is out with my sisters and my nephew and my great nephew. And they are seen currently, um, as we speak, they are seen currently as we speak, uh, Doolittle. Yes, they are watching uh, Doolittle as we speak. That movie is running around a time of two hours and 33 minutes from what I understand, which is pretty long for a Doolittle movie. I mean, I, I get I get the story is uh, a legendary. It's a, it's a story that's been around for a while. And, you know, depending on who's directing, who's doing it, you want to get as much in there as you can. It is basically a runtime of an hour. Well, it actually says an hour and 41 minutes according to this. So I don't know. I think, uh, I think uh, <laughs> Google needs to get its translations fixed or something. But uh, because it says an hour 41 here, 102 minutes. But when I asked Google, basically, it said uh, two hours and 33. So I don't know. Maybe I was wrong. I don't know. Uh, But anyway, so, yeah, they went to go see that. And by now, they're probably just getting out of there. Uh, But then again, you got to have 10 minutes of, you know, commercials, trailers, stuff like that. So. They got that going right now um, as we speak. So anyway, so anyway, basically, uh, yeah, that's why I have the place to myself um, as we speak. Oh, sorry about that. Let's say the place to myself. Um, as we speak right now. And, and yeah, so I thought again, come on here and do this live edition of Topics on My Mind, which you will probably hear later as well on the various podcast formats that I'm on which are Podbean, if I can get that going. Now, I'm going to let you know about Podbean right now. I'm still going to get podcasts on there, but they're going to have to be short because it's limited. So Podbean may get a lot of these in the future, maybe not. But the primary place you can go to is anchor.fm. They actually expand and link your podcast to various other podcast uh, sites out there. Like, of course, they're owned by Spotify. So the first one they go to is Spotify. And then they uh, ta- then they link you over to break- places like Breaker Audio, 
uh, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Pocket Cast, and I think you have to do it on your own, but you could also be associated on Stitcher um, as well. And then I think uh, if you know your iTunes uh, password or Apple ID for your Apple ID for iTunes, I think you can link it to there as well. So yeah, you can hear me on those various podcast formats at Spotify, at Breaker Audio, um, at Radio Public. That's another one as well. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Stitcher, Breaker, Pocket Cast. Um, pretty much, uh, pretty much those are the places you could uh, hear the podcast at, as well as other various ways of listening to it according to the uh, analytics that I get when I go to anchor.fm. Anyway, though, guys, um, without further ado, um, if you will, without further ado, uh, let's talk about the various topics that we are going to discuss here. Yes, we have got some topics to discuss in fact, I will make sure to make sure I see them, correct them, see what I have here. So hold on for a second. So hold on for a sec, but I'm going to pretty much list them down so I can make sure I don't miss any of them. And here we go. All right, I think that's about all of them. That's all six. Yep. So anyway, though, guys, let's talk some um, let's talk some topics here, shall we? You know, let's let's get into some topics here. And the first topic, as I'm linking this here, that I want to linking this to various places. The first topic I want to talk about is something that happened today in Houston. And no, it's not the explosion or anything that happened uh, yesterday. And again, my heart goes out to the families if affected by that, the families and friends and the workers affected by that. My heart and prayers go out to them. You know, no, I'm, I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about, guys, is what happened today at a meet and greet. Yes, a meet and greet, believe it or not, that someone I support here on the Internet, on YouTube, and he also has a podcast as well, um, Alex, uh, or just Alex, formerly known as Delex Man. Uh, basically, this morning, after feeling a lot better from his little fall that he had, um, if you want to know what happened to him, you can check out his Twitter at just Alex, and he'll let you know what occurred. And even watch his, I think, his SmackDown review, and he'll let you know what what happened. Um. Anyway, though, uh, basically, he decided he was going to do a meet and greet. Now, 
he lives, fortunately enough, in the proximity to where he could walk down to where the meet and greets are going to happen. Uh, the first time he wanted to do a meet and greet, he oh he wanted to go one oh the last meet and greet he wanted to go to in his area in Houston. He went there, but he couldn't get in line because pretty much the line was straight up out the door, around the corner, around the block, because the person at the first because the person the first time he was trying to do meet and greet last year that he wanted to you know get take a picture of and get an autograph from was the man Becky Lynch yes Becky Lynch was the meet and greet guest um at the place he was going to well today he was going to go to another meet and greet and he did get there um the silver lining on this whole meet and greet for him was he was able to actually kind of do a double take and see Izzy. Yeah, the uh, young fan of Bailey's from NXT, now known as at Izzy Mania on Twitter. She was there and he even got to contact her or get in contact with her through Twitter. And I guess they're going to meet up tomorrow somehow and take a picture. Hopefully, that'll be on his Twitter account and Facebook account. But anyway, I bring this up because what happened next, next, what happened next, according to Alex, is like really, you know, a gut punch, if you know what I mean. It's kind of like a gut punch. You see, Alex... Um, like I said, I was planning to do a meet and greet, was planning to go to, um, the meet and greet today, which he did. He went to the location, he stood in line and what happened, what happened was the fact that as soon as he was getting ready I guess as soon as he was like in the position to where he could get in to meet and greet with Bailey, take a picture with her, whatever. Cause yeah, that's the person they had today was Bailey. Uh, before he could do that, he, and I'm sure along with many others got told, um, sorry, we can't let you in to meet Bailey. Why was time up? Was she about to leave? What was going on? No. Apparently, the place that Alex went to for the meet and greet, where Bailey was, you know, taking pictures and signing autographs for fans, basically greeting, meeting and greeting the fans, as the term goes. Basically, that place didn't account for how many fans they were going to have. Because apparently that place ran out of wristbands. I I don't get it. Out of wristbands? Seriously? How? How can you run out of wristbands How can you run out of wristbands knowing that one of the people you're bringing in, one of the 
wrestlers or celebrities or athletes you're bringing in is someone that hundreds, if not thousands of fans want to meet, get, get some of the memorabilia signed and have a picture taken with them. How many people, how many people did you not count on would be there is what I'm trying to say. Because apparently there was more than you expected. And I don't know if this is the same place. I, I, I don't know if this is the same place that he went to last time to try to meet uh, Becky. I, I, I don't know. But you would think from that situation... Up till now, they would have learned their lesson and been like, oh, we better make sure we have plenty of wristbands or passes for those that want to meet and greet uh, the person we're bringing. Because if you don't, then what's the sense of bringing that person in to meet and greet? Huh? What's the point of bringing that person in to do a meet and greet? There's no point. There's no point, guys. Because if you're bringing somebody in to do a meet and greet, shouldn't you, shouldn't you have plenty, and I mean plenty, and and, and this is the honest truth, shouldn't you guys have plenty of wristbands shouldn't you guys have plenty of passes I'm, I'm just saying guys I'm just saying because think about it think about it this way okay let's say you somehow are able to let's say a, a retail store a sporting goods store wherever is able to wrangle and able to deal and able to get the likes of, oh, I don't know, let's say a Brock Lesnar. Do you not think, fans, despite how you might feel about Brock being portrayed as the WWE champion and the schedule he's got, do you not think fans would not want to go and meet that guy? Hundreds to thousands of fans would not want to go and meet him and get autographs you know, from him, get the picture taken. Do you not think... You would have a line out the door, around the corner, and several blocks down. Do you not think maybe you should be prepared for anything? Like, oh, well, you know, we could, we need to make sure we order more. More, you know, wristbands, more, back, more passes. You know, don't limit yourself. Do not limit yourself to, oh, we can only get this many passes. We could only get that many wristbands. Don't limit yourself. Do not freaking limit yourself. Because you know why? If you limit yourself, it doesn't make you look good. It doesn't. It does not make you look good. Period. Period. It does not make you look good. You know why it doesn't make you guys look good? Because it makes you look like you don't know what you're doing. Like you've never done this before. And guess what? I'm pretty sure you have. But it makes you 
look limited. You have enough money and enough, you know, I guess you could say pull to get someone like a Bailey and even previously before that, a Becky Lynch to basically come over to your store and sign autographs for who knows how long, sign, you know, take pictures for who knows how long, and yet not knowing potentially that you're going to have millions of fans wanting to meet this individual, talk to this individual, you do not see you do not see fit on getting plenty of wristbands, plenty of backstage passes. You do not you do not tend to see that. You don't you don't tend to oh I, I, I don't know to I I don't know make sure you got all your bases covered because you know what it it's dumb if you don't do it. It is Dumb, D-U-M-B, dumb, if you don't do that. You know, it, it, it is it is dumb that you don't do that, because you know why? You know what that makes you, makes you look like? It makes you look amateurish. I mean, even my company that I work for, when they ever get a chance to do a meet and greet with somebody, they make sure or they have enough resources. They make sure they have plenty of passes, plenty of wristbands or whatever you want to call them. Even when they do their annual events like their free health scans and all that, guess what? They make sure they have plenty of stuff to give to the customer that decide to take the time out of the shopping to go and get looked at even for even though it's free, even if it's free or not uh, they take time to do that and in return they get information that, that allows them to you know kind of remind them or teach them how to keep healthy and yet and yet you guys You guys don't have the sense, the sense, if you will, to do that. You guys don't have the sense to do that, to make sure you have plenty of wristbands, plenty of passes for everybody. Right. Just blows my mind. It, it, it just blows my mind, you know? That that kind of stuff could happen. 
just blows my mind. You know why? Because it shouldn't happen like that. I mean, it just it just blows my mind, guys, because, you know, I would be pissed. I would be pissed, if you will, if that happened to me. I would be pissed. And you know why I would be pissed? Because I basically, basically just wasted my morning, part of my morning and afternoon, wanting to meet a superstar I like, wanting to meet somebody that I respect, and I'm actually happy WWE or the wrestling promotion or whatever promotion gave him the opportunity to go through a change that was necessary or desperately needed. I would be pissed that all of a sudden I'm told, oh, sorry, we can't let you in because uh, we ran out of passes. It'd be like if you told somebody that won, that won the opportunity to do a meet and greet before or after a concert with BTS. And even though they legally won and they have the proof and Word going around that they, and the word going around is they need to have a pass, a certain pass with them, or a wristband or whatever to confirm they're a winner. And even though they could print out, out or show the mailing that they got in the mail or the email or whatever, to be turned over. So all of a sudden, when they get ready to get the wristband or the pass to go and do a meeting, to go to that meet and greet after or before the BTS concert. Only to be told, oh, I'm sorry, we ran out of wristbands. Oh, I'm sorry, we ran out of passes. We can't let you meet BTS. Even though you technically run the right to do it and you have the evidence, we, we're sorry, we can't do that. That is high-level BS. High-level BS. And you know what, Alex? If you're listening, I don't blame you for being mad. What you... And everybody else should do that got turned away. You should email that place. You should email whoever runs that corporation that's allowing this to happen. uh, Brings these superstars in. You should call them up, email them, and say, look, I just wasted how many hours of the morning and the afternoon walking down to your store just so I can meet and greet with a superstar I like. And... All of a sudden, I'm told I can't because you guys ran out of wristbands because you didn't plan well to stock up. That's what happened, folks. They did not plan well to stock up. Again, think about it. BTS is one of the hottest boy bands around, pop bands right now, right? Again, imagine you win a contest from your local or national radio stations and they email you and physically mail you the proof, the physical proof that you have to take with you to show show that you won the contest that would enable you to get a fee, a pass, a backstage pass or a wristband to go backstage and do a meet and greet with them. 
along with many other fans. And then all of a sudden, as you arrive and you get ready and you're getting ready to show them this, or you end up, you get what I'm saying. You kind of get what I'm saying. Imagine you're going there. You have the physical evidence. What can I use for example here? Okay. Sorry. But let's say you have the physical evidence in your hand, right? You have this. You're like, you're like, see, see, I, I got the evidence. I got proof that I won the contest. Now you got to give me a wristband or a free pass to go meet B BTS. Imagine you showing all that. And imagine, imagine you're showing all this and suddenly you're told, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. We can't let you buy. Oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm sorry, sir. We can't let you go back there because we ran out of free passes. We ran out of wristbands, even though technically it says right here you won the right to go do a meet and greet with these guys. We can't because we can't let you do that because we ran out of the wristbands that we were supposed to have prepared for you. Do you not think? Do you not think that would piss people off? Huh? People drive, people would be driving for hours, hours, guys, to something like that. How do you think they would feel? Sorry, my thing hit the, you know, hold on for a second. I had to readjust the headset. But like I said, how do you think they would feel knowing that, yeah, they could see him in concert, but the reason they got the tickets and the reason they are there, okay, is because they won rightfully backstage passes to do a meet and greet with this band. And then they're told, oh, along with maybe some other fans, oh, by the way, we can't let you back there, even though you have the evidence that show you did win and have the right to. We can't do it because we're out of the wristbands we were supposed to have for, ready for you guys. It, it would be stupid. It would be dumb on their part. Uh, Ronald, Ronald, man, I do have the raccoons. I have... I think season one and two officially on DVD. Um, I have some of the other ones that I uh, downloaded through the, I think the raccoons website they had up at one time. And I think even YouTube. And I do have the ones with mostly Lisa, especially the last one, or I think it hints that Lisa and Bert are going to be an item afterwards, but we never found out. But I'll probably talk about that later, guys. But getting back to what I was saying, getting back to what I was saying, and hold on for a second, guys. I got to do something.
All right, guys, I'm back. So I had to double check on something. But anyway, like I said, you should have all your boxes checked. You should have every box checked when you're doing something like this, when you're doing a meet and greet. You know what I'm saying? You need to have all your boxes checked off. Make sure, basically, you are stocked to the brim. You have plenty of, st- plenty of wristbands or three passes on hand. Because, again, you basically have people like Alex and many others traveling across Houston to this one location to meet and greet and take pictures and get autographs and everything, you know, signed by Bailey, only for you to be told, only for them to be told, we can't let you in because we ran out of wristbands, we ran out of free passes. That's bullcrap. That's bullcrap and that's mismanagement. And what those people need to do is make up for that by getting another superstar, whether it's a WWE or an AEW star, whatever, bring them in and make sure everybody gets a chance to meet them. And you know how you do it? Get rid of the wristband deal. Get rid of the wristband deal. Get rid of the free pass deal and say, come one and all. You know, no wristbands required. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no, no. Is that... No, I'm fine and everything. It's just what it is, Ronald, is one of the people I'm kind of a, a friend with online, Alex, just Alex, um, went and did a meet and greet today. I went to do went to go be part of a meet and greet and he got told by the time he got up there that he couldn't go in because they ran out of wristbands which is bull crap in mismanagement as I said So anyway yeah that's pretty much what I'm getting at here guys That's pretty much what I'm getting at it's it's it it's it doesn't make you look good. It basically causes you to lose the trust of a lot of people that depend on you as being the outlet to go and meet and greet with stars like a Bailey or a Becky Lynch. It doesn't make you look good in the long run. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't make you look good. It doesn't make anybody look good. And again, Whoever, and I am being honest with this, whoever, again, being honest, whoever um, basically, how do I put this? Whoever scheduled Bailey to be there, great, perfect, all props to you. But at the same time, you need to make sure you have your bases covered. So all I hope in the end is this. The next time WWE or the next time that place gets someone there to do a meet and greet with, I pray and hope that everybody, everybody gets a chance uh, to meet that individual and they don't get turned away. Because you know why? You shouldn't have to waste your money or your time 
going down there to meet somebody and then you're told, oh, we can't let you meet that person because we ran out of, you know, the accessories you need to meet them. That, that don't make sense. Okay. It does not, will not make any freaking sense. If you know what I mean. It does not make any sense, guys. It doesn't. It, it doesn't make any sense. So, anyway, I hope they get things fixed. I hope they fix this because you know what it's doing? Like I said, it makes them look bad and, um, in the long run. It really, really does. All right. So, the next topic I want to get at here. Next topic I want to get at here. Why well, just this? There we go. Just making sure it's adjusted. It is. Yeah, making sure it's adjusted. And in case you guys are listening this audio-wise, I just had to take off my headset and adjust it for a bit. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about the next topic on the my on my mind here, and that is why one shouldn't be ashamed of having a Dakimura, or translated to English, a characterized body pillow. And in case you guys don't know what I mean, look behind me. I don't know if you guys could see that. Let's see if you can. Hold on for a second. I said, look behind me. I don't know if you guys could see this. Hold on for a sec. But like I said, do not... I'm talking about these. This is a Princess Luna. This... Is Sunset Shimmer. And this, of course, is Rarity. Yeah, them. Anyway, though, guys, what I'm trying to say is you should not, and I'm just adjusting the headset there, you should not be ashamed of having these dakamuras, if you will, these characterized body pillows. Now, I understand some people feel that it's kind of weird to show them off and show that, oh, you got one and everything. Look here on YouTube, uh, those that are listening to the audio version on the podcast, look on YouTube. And you will see more of these Dakamuras, which is spelled D-A-K-I-M-A-K-U-R-A. That's how it's spelled, Dakamuras. Basically, look on YouTube, and you will see a lot more than you can expect. And people are not ashamed of it. They're not. As a matter of fact, some people actually take the the, uh, pillow covers. They actually take them and they hang them on the wall. Yeah, literally, like, if I wanted to, I could rearrange some of this 
or go over here and take down that poster. You can't see the poster right now. The Avenger poster I have. And I could put two, those two small ones up there. But I don't do that. I keep them way, the way they are. Look, and look, I understand people might be questionable about those. About these Dakamuras, if you will. And, you know, there's a lot of people that wonder, why do they exist? Well, I've talked about this before. You know, it's basically another fan's way or fellow fan's way of expressing the love for a franchise or for a character. You know, it may seem weird to a lot of people. Yes, there's no doubt. It may seem weird. But let me ask you guys this. But let me ask you guys this. How many of you know of maybe your family, your parents or whatever, that may have had something similar when they were younger. Like, maybe not like this, but something that's like you could walk into the room and you all of a sudden you're like, you know, why why is that there? Why is that hanging up? You know, why does that look like you're, you're worshipping it? And I'm just adjusting the mic there. But why is this? Why is that? And basically... Basically, guys, they would have to tell you. They would have to say, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, it's just a collectible. That's all. That's it. And it may seem weird. It may come off weird to some people at first. There is no doubt. Like I said, there's no doubt. It may come off, uh, you know, weird. You know, at first, but again, it's it's just how people uh, express their love for fandom, and that's it. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing really wrong, and you shouldn't be ashamed of it. Now, I will say this, and this is not being ashamed or anything, because if I'm willing to show this on YouTube, knowing I pretty much have family that's going to find out eventually, You know, here's the thing. Like I said, you shouldn't be ashamed of it. Because like I said, why would I show this on YouTube knowing that family, my family could find out eventually? But if you do live with family of any kind, and that family may not totally understand the concept, then yes, I would recommend trying to, you know, place these out of sight. Because I can imagine that it is... A little awkward or a little weird for families when they go and visit the sons or the daughters. That when they go into one of the rooms at their house, the sons or daughters' house, that they see these Dakamuras uh, pillow cases hanging on the wall. You know, it may seem weird to them because they're like, "What is this?" And yes, I understand one of the controversial things about this is how the Dakimuras are two-sided. Like one side looks innocent and then the other side looks like it's, you know, very risky and questionable. I get that. I understand that. But here's the other thing that I talked about. Here's the one thing I talked about, okay? I did a video you could find on my YouTube page And basically, 
basically, guys, um, here's the thing. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. I did a video on my YouTube page where I talked about, you know, these document viewers, what they are. And basically, I mentioned that it's just, as I, as I just said earlier, just moments ago, it's just a fan, a fellow fan expressing their love for the fra- for the fandom for those for certain characters, you know, in that franchise and stuff. So, you know, that's how one has to look at it. It's just another fan, another fellow fan, artistically expressing their love for the franchise and the characters that come from it. You know, it may not seem like it's. It may seem weird to others. But that's just how they are. They basically they know what's going to get a people. They know that if they make the design in a certain way, they know it's going to get people's attention. It's like one side it could be innocent enough, and the other side could be risky, whatever you want to call it. But they know it's going to get people's attention. They know it. They they know it's going to get people's attention. They, like I said, they, they know it's going to get people's attention and get people talking. You know what I'm saying? It, it's going to get people talking. And like I said, you know, it's going to get people talking and it's it's just one of those situations that you know you look at and you say to yourself, "Okay, I can understand the artistic part, but I still don't understand, you know, why." And then that's when you get your answer of it's just they know what gets people's attention, and it's just again the way of showing their love for the franchise and the characters. So it's them showing their artistic side, and at the same time, they know that artistically, okay, what can I do to get people's attention on this product to where maybe they want to buy a copy or buy one themselves? And then that's when it hits them. Oh, just draw the character a certain way, one way that's innocent enough and another way that's kind of risky, and that'll get people's attention. It doesn't mean anything in the long run. It doesn't. Now, anybody that thinks, oh, well, you know, that, that that obviously means they're going to, you know, do the whoop-de-whoop and all that with, with these things, right? No. No, it doesn't mean that. Yes, they're happy to get them. Yes, you know, they might uh, hug, hug it, cuddle it, whatever. But you know what? You But you know what? That's fine. That is fine. Nothing is wrong with that. You know... It ties into, actually, it ties into the whole other video and audio podcast and the other podcast, uh, other audio I put on to my podcast here. And that is, you know, what is a waifu and a husbando? Well, now you have a, an understanding about that. Basically, when a documura is associated with those terms, it's just basically a way of, even though you know the thing's not real and it's fictional and all that, if you want to get stuff off your chest, you got something right there to look at and talk to 
And once you get your stuff, uh, once you get whatever on your mind off your chest, you're, you start to feel good. It's kind of therapeutic. We'll put it this way. It's kind of therapeutic is the word I'm looking for. It's kind of therapeutic. So that that's how you could look at it. That these documentaries, when they get retu- referred to or associated with the terms of waifu and husbando, they're looked at as even though the person talking with them or treating, talking to them and all that and everything or cuddling them, holding them, whatever. And like I say, discussing stuff with them, it's kind of therapeutic because there are stuff they can't, that maybe the parents or the siblings won't understand. But if they express themselves to, let's say, something like this, you know, and they get it out, at least it's a therapy like, okay, even though I know I just talked to something inanimate or something not real, it was there to at least listen to me. It's kind of therapeutic, if you know what I mean. It doesn't mean you're crazy, as some people would allude to. doesn't mean you're crazy. You know, it's just, you know, something that's, you know, it's just something there to help you out, is what I'm saying. You know, it's just something there to to help you out in the end. And I think that's all that really matters. I know that kind of sounds a little ramblish and all that. But to me, I think it's worth, I think having a documentary, there's nothing to be ashamed about it. But yes, I do understand it. And believe me, I know from experience, if you live with family, and again, I know my family is eventually going to find out down the line. But if you live with family, okay. If you live with family and you feel that they're not ready to kind of understand exactly why you have these things, then yes, find a way to keep them concealed and out of sight until you feel the time is ready. That's about it. That's about it. And I think in the end, I think honestly in the end, it'll be worth the way. it'll be definitely worth the wait or worth the moment when you finally decide, okay, family, I got something to show you that I have. You may have already known about it. Here it is. Um, you know, get it out of your systems. You know, you're teasing and all that. But when you feel the moment is right, you let them know. You say, yeah, I got these. I know they may look a little weird and off to you guys, but you know what? You don't have to worry about anything because that's not how I do things. You know, so, but yeah, there's nothing really to be ashamed of. There's nothing really to be ashamed of. But if you feel, if you feel that maybe the family or friends that you have around are not ready to understand exactly why you have it, then again, I understand. And that maybe you want to, like I say, conceal it or keep it hidden until the time is right. Because believe me, that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm not ashamed of what I have because, like I said, I wouldn't be showing it on YouTube or talking about it through podcasts, okay? But I know but I know from experience that I have family that may not totally get it or understand, you know, the reason for its existence. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. Anyway, though, like I said, you shouldn't really be ashamed. But even... If you're not, but you feel your family's not ready, or those that you feel you want that you're close with are not ready, then yeah, 
I would say conceal it, keep it hidden, and then when the time is right, that's when you give them the reveal, if you know what I mean, if they don't know already. So, anyway, so anyway, let's get on to the third topic here. Get on to the third topic here, and that is what college bowl games should get revived and where college bowl games could be relocated. Now, in case you don't mean, know what I mean by that second part, uh, we know that a lot of new stadiums are currently in uh, development right now. They're currently being constructed, having the finishes, finishing touches put on them, if you will. And by that, and by that occurring, I should say, by these stadiums, you know, getting built and you know being built and finished and polished off, we do know that certain bowl games are going to be moving over to those uh, sites because you know it's it looks more it's more attractive. Uh, it it comes off more attractively, I should say, on camera. And it makes the bowl game that you're moving over there feel more like a bigger deal. Uh, a good example of this is SoFi Stadium uh, in Los Angeles, which is going to be home of the Chargers and the um, of the Chargers and the Rams. But I would not put it past. Um, the uh, NCAA to have the Pac-12 allow um, USC to take up residence as well uh, down the line. Um, I would not, I would not put it past the NCAA to do that. Uh, we do know that the Raiders, the now Las Vegas Raiders, have a home opening up. Um, I gotta think of the name right now. I gotta look it up. Hold on, guys. <laughs> Wikipedia has them under the name Oakland Raiders Relocation to Las Vegas. <laughs> nice one, Wikipedia. Well, now they have them under Las Vegas Raiders. Okay. Well, I can say nice one. Uh, Wikipedia. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Okay. Let's see. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to see. I think they should. Oh, sorry. My thumb hit the mic there. I think they should have the name of the stadium here. There it is. Elegant, elegant stadium. Elegant, elegant stadium. Is a domed stadium under construction. Okay. So yeah, elegant stadium. 
you know, here's the thing. I I would not excuse me. <laughs> Gotta use the facilities real quickly. Be right back. Okay. Sorry about that, guys. I had to um, basically use the facilities. <laughs> uh, but anyway, like I said, uh, well, oh yeah, I, I could see, I could see, you know, some college, you know, with this new stadium being built, I, I could see some events happening. I mean, already. Oh, yeah, it is going to be doing it already, so hold on for a sec. Just uh, adjusting the, the mic there. Let's make sure everything's good. All right. Like I said, um, it's already doing it according to Wikipedia here, but, again, I would not be surprised if uh, a lot of stadiums, 
a lot of bowl games in current stadiums end up going to some of these newer stadiums. Like already you have Allegant Stadium or Allegant Stadium um, going to be replacing Sumbo Stadium. Or Su- not Sumbo, but the Samboyd, Samboy Stadium. And according to Wikipedia, will serve as the home of the Raiders and the UNLV Rebels football program. In addition, this is according to Wikipedia, it will host the annual Las Vegas Bowl. It says that the first UNLV football game at the stadium is scheduled against the California Golden Bears. It also states that uh, this year and next year, the Pac-12 Conference will host the Pac-12 football championship game at the stadium moving it from Levi. So I'm thinking it's going to go back and forth maybe between the two. Now, now with that said, again, I definitely see the same thing going on with SoFi Stadium. Now, I'm going to look that up right now. Yeah, there it is, SoFi Stadium. And SoFi Stadium is going to be the new home. It's going to be uh, the new home of the Los Angeles Rams and the Los Angeles Chargers. It's also going to host Super Bowl 55. I don't know why it says. In twenty in twenty twenty two, that would be fifty six. Then, oh yeah, it does say fifty six. I, I didn't see the I. <laughs> Sorry about that. And the college football national championship in twenty twenty three. It says also for SoFi Stadium that it's going to be hosting, or is expected to host the opening and closing ceremonies of the 2028 Summer Olympics as well as the as well as soccer archery will be held on the grounds outside the stadium. Okay. So that's what it's saying. It's basically stating that it's going to have a lot going on SoFi Stadium. Like I said, it's going to have the 2028 Summer Olympics with the stadium expected to host the opening and closing ceremonies, as well as the soccer games and archery will be held on the, on the grounds outside the stadium. Now, I'm going to see if what I believe is going to happen will happen. Okay, so they do have a bowl game planned for this. It's a new one. It says the Mountain West and Pac-12 conferences announced plans to play a new bowl game um, at SoFi Stadium. Tentatively, right now, tentatively, it could change, name could change, tentatively known as the Los Angeles Bowl. So, yeah, they do have a bowl game planned. Um, so, anyway... Like I said, it's pretty good. And they already have concerts lined up. Like on my birthday, the first concert that they have planned up, or planned up, I should say, 
is going to be Taylor Swift. Uh, my birthday and the day after. And then afterwards, Kenny Chesney will be on August 1st. Tim McGraw on September 4th. And then September 5th, Martley Clue and Def Leppard. So, and Taylor Swift will be the first event at the stadium. So that's pretty cool. Um, anyway, though, like I said, you already already you have um, bowl games set up for um, for these games uh, for these stadiums that are being built. Now, here's the thing: tentatively, they say the Los Angeles bowl. They, tentatively, um, one of the bowl games being planned is the Los Angeles Bowl. Now, this ties into the other thing that I mentioned earlier. I mentioned what bowl game... Okay, because here's what the topic is. And you can read the description. It's what college bowl games should get revived and what current bowl games could be relocated. Well, this kind of ties into not only be revived, be, be, be relocated. And what I mean is this. There was a bowl game. That got played up until, I think, 1991, I believe. Let me check that. Let me check that. Okay. This got played to, yeah, 1991. It was a 10-year run. And it was a game originally... Featuring champions of the Big West Conference, you know, also known prior to 1988 as the Pacific Coast Athletic Association, the PCAA, and the MAC, the Mid-American Conference. And it would feature the champions. In other words, this would be the Rose Bowl, the, yeah, the Rose Bowl. Uh, basically, it was played originally at Bould. It was originally, I should say. It was originally played at Bulldog Stadium in Fresno, California, down the highway, if you will, if you go a little further down. Now, according to the history here the game was dealt a a severe blow when Fresno State moved from the Big West to the WAC and then the MAC and the Big West then moved the tie-ins to the Las Vegas Bowl and to Las Vegas and created the Las Vegas Bowl they said the California Bowl was planning to host a 92 game but without tie-ins basically basically anybody that was bowl eligible would get in but they were unable to find a new sponsor. Basically, they stayed here that when organizers came up short of the $1.75 million fundraising goal, the NCAA pulled the bowl. Sorry about that. It says that when organizers came up short of a $1.75 million fundraising goal, the NCAA pulled the bowl's certification. It has never returned. In other words, because Fresno State went to the WAC and then eventually the Mountain West, 
And because the Mac and the Big West decided to move their bowl tie-ins to Las Vegas and create the Las Vegas Bowl, the California Bowl pretty much ceased to be. But as we have noticed over the years, if not the past decade, things never die. Things never stay dead forever. Ne- things never die. Things, events, sporting events, franchises, just, just when you think they're no more, they're done. You know, just when you think it's being it's buried, it's put to rest, or it's allowed to hang up its boots. All of a sudden, something comes along to say, hey, you want to have another go? So guess what? Do I'm not saying it's going to happen, but this is one bowl game I've always wanted to see come back because I don't know what, what it was when I was a kid, but I was always attracted about the fact that our state, California, had its own bowl game, you know, named after it. I always liked it. I always liked it because, one, it kicked off the bowl season. And it was featuring schools, teams that you never see that much. So, to me, I think, honestly, if SoFi Stadium is going to be hosting the Los Angeles Bowl, which is tentatively known as right now, don't I would not be against them saying, you know what? This is in California. We have two good names that could go with it. The SoFi Bowl, <laughs> which I wouldn't be surprised because it's in the stadium with the same name. The Hollywood Bowl, which again I wouldn't have a problem with. Be redundant since you have two. You already have a, a venue known as the Hollywood Bowl, but you get my idea. Or get the you get what I'm saying. Or I'm hoping, I'm hoping that maybe they decide, you know what? We've brought back some bowl games in the past and re-retired them, even though, and kind of re-retired them or kept them around. What if we brought back the California Bowl, had it played in SoFi Stadium? Think about that. Think about that, guys. Think about that. You could have the California Bowl that has been out of it, that has been in extinction for almost 30 years. It's going to be 30 years next year. For almost 30 years, all of a sudden, after a 30 year period, it's back. It's back, and its new home is SoFi Stadium. I would not put it past the NCAA to say California Bowl. It makes sense. Again, they can come up with other names. Like I said, the SoFi Bowl, the Sophie Bowl is whatever it's called, the Hollywood Bowl, Hollywood Bowl Classic. Again, I would I would not be against any of those. Heck, if you want to keep it the Los Angeles Bowl, that's great too. But um, I think, honestly, the best name is the California Bowl, and I think it's the best bowl game they can come up with. I, I really do. I really do. I think the bowl game would be uh, perfect. I, I think it would be. I think, I think honestly, 
you know, Bulldog Stadium's a great venue, apparently. But, and I went by it, I think, one time when I was on the Greyhound bus coming from Kansas to here for my birthday. Um, but honestly, when uh, when one thinks about it, guys, when one honestly thinks about it, you know, and I'm just adjusting the mic there, but when, when one honestly thinks about it, guys, you know, they they like to bring certain bowl games back, you know, kind of re- bring them back under the original names and then rechristen them a little bit. I think it's the best opportunity to bring back and revive the California Bowl and have it played at SoFi Stadium. And no, you don't have to have it at the beginning of the season. You know, because it's a new bowl game, you could have it probably on New Year's Day if you wanted to or or on New Year's Eve. It makes a lot of sense. It makes, depending on the date and the location, it makes things, it's going to make it an attractive, I'll I'll put it this way, it's going to make it an attractive venue to go to. Um, depending on what time during the holiday Christmas season or college bowl season, as they put it, that you want to place it. And I think probably the best date for them to do that, if they want to bring, re, if they want to, you know, revive the California bowl under this new uh, persona, this new era, you know, in this new stadium, then I think, Reviving it and putting it around New Year's Eve is probably the best option. That that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Hold on for a sec. Okay, guys. Sorry about that. I was just checking something. Just the headset again. There we go. Got it? Yeah. All right. Just making sure. Yeah, it's there. Got it. But like I said, you know, I can't think of a more tentative, uh, better place. Oh, hold on. There we go. Have to readjust that. But like I said, I I can't think of not only probably a better name and a better chance to revive a classic bowl game than right, you know, this year with this new stadium. And I can't think of maybe a better time frame than around New Year's Eve. I can't. But besides that, um, like I said, we already have the Las Vegas Bowl planned for Alliance Stadium. Uh, the question is, you know, what other bowl games could get revived? What other bowl games could get revived? And 
I'm gonna I'm looking here. Okay, here we go. So we have the All American Bowl in Birmingham, Alabama. It was also known as the Hall of Fame Classic before that got moved to Tampa. Ah, uh, the All-American Bowl, I think, could definitely make a comeback. I really do. So I definitely think they need to bring that back. Um, The Aloha Bowl, that's just the Hawaii Bowl. But I think, yeah, they should just rechristen it Aloha again because that's a more attractive name than just Hawaii. Let's see. The Freedom Bowl, I remember that. And, um, you know, that's another name they could end up using for, you know, the bowl game in SoFi. So that'd be something. Um, let's see. I would. I would have to say, perhaps, if I was to look at any of these bowl games here, you know what? Why not bring back the Garden State Bowl? I mean, it's in New Jersey. You got MetLife Stadium. You already have the Pinstripe Bowl at Yankee Stadium. Why not bring back the Garden State Bowl and put it in, uh, at MetLife Stadium? I think it'll work. You're giving more team. Because think about it. You, here's the thing about all these bowl games. I mean, here's the thing. You have so many bowl games right now that even despite having so many, you still can't get all the teams that have a winning record in there. Some get left out, and they're like, why? So I think bringing back the Golden State Bowl would be great. And like I said, I think bringing the um, All-American Bowl back would be great. I think the Aloha Bowl, just rechristen it Aloha again, would be great. Um, what else? Let's see. <laughs> um, Seattle Bowl. That's pretty. That's a good name. You should bring that back. I think the Seattle Bowl would be great because you got uh, Century Link Field. And, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, Silicon Valley Bowl, bring that back. You get a lot of attention around it. Definitely boasts a lot of businesses. So, yeah, I, I think, honestly, if I was to revive any bowl game, any bowl games, like I said, the California Bowl, I think, should be revived because you got the 
opportunity now with SoFi Stadium, but you also have the opportunity to revive the Freedom Bowl with it. Um, I think you should bring back the All-American Bowl. I think you should rechristen the Hawaii Bowl back into or rechristen or re, you know, rechristen the Hawaii Bowl back to the Aloha Bowl, which makes is more attractive. Um, I think honestly, the Garden State Bowl should come back in some form because you got MetLife Stadium. Why not utilize it? Um, I think, you know, I think honestly, um, like I said, I think the Seattle Bowl would be great, you know, because, uh, again, you have, you have century, you have century life, you have century life field or century link field, I should say. And, I think that could work out in a big way. I really do. So those are the bowl games I think that should come back. I think, again, California Bowl, you got the opportunity to do that now with SoFi Stadium, even maybe even the Freedom Freedom Bowl as well because it was located in Anaheim at one point or played in Anaheim. So Freedom or California Bowl or combined the two, the California Freedom Bowl, there you go. I think it would be a best choice of, of reviving one of them, maybe combine them together in a revival as one. I think it would be great. Um, so, so yeah, I think that would be great. I think, you know, bringing back the Aloha name to the Hawaii Bowl and making it the Aloha Bowl again would be great. Um, I think the Silicon Valley Bowl and the Seattle Bowl games, I think, should come back because, you know what? You give by doing so, you're giving plenty of teams an opportunity to to play college, playing the bowl game, bowl season that may not get it and may not you know usually get it, you know. So I think the opportunity is right there for them to make that happen. So again, the bowl games I want back, the bowl games I'm hoping for, um, you know, the California Bowl again. I think it's a lock to be revived for SoFi Stadium, maybe under the Freedom Bowl name, maybe a combination of the bo- both of them. I would like the Silicon Valley Bowl back, the Seattle Bowl back. All-American Bowl, I think, would be great, especially if you pl- uh, put it in uh, Los- uh, Washington, Washington, D.C., at uh, the home of the Redskins. Um, the Aloha Bowl, again, just rechristened the Hawaii Bowl back to Aloha. And then, of course, because you have the stadium, you have the stadium, I think you should, in MetLife, that is, I think you should bring back the Garden State Bowl. That, that's just my opinion. Now, like I said, um, though I feel there are some bowl games that um, could be Um, could be basically relocated real soon. Um, the like I said, there are some there are some stadiums out there that I think could definitely uh, benefit from them. I'm trying to think of what stadiums 
I do know that. Let's see. What what bowl games could really benefit from a change in atmosphere? Um, mm. it's a it's a good a good question. I think. Well, I do know that the Liberty Bowl needs to be in Liberty Memorial Stadium, but I'm I'm not going to. You know what, Tennessee. Tennessee Titans have a, a nice home, right? I'm going to see if whatever that is. I don't think that Na- I don't know if Nashville has a bowl game. Yeah, they do. They have the Music City Bowl. Okay, so it's they have that. Um, but I think honestly, You know, it's it's kind of hard, but I think I think these are the ones that need to get it. I think these are the ones that need to be looked at as being relocated. I think the Sun Bowl, even though it takes place at Sun Bowl Stadium in Arizona, uh, Arizona State, that is, well, not Arizona, but um, in uh, what, what Sun Bowl is uh, Texas, UTEP. I think that should get moved to Arizona and played in the home of the Arizona Cardinals. I know you're thinking, well, wait a minute, the Fiesta Bowl gets played there. Yes, State Farm Stadium. That's true. But I think, honestly, because... Of the fact, depending on the scheduling, I think basically State Farm Stadium could benefit from not one but two. I mean, the Mercedes Superdome in New Orleans benefits from two. So I think, honestly, in Mercedes Benz Stadium also, I think, has two games. Uh, as well. So I think basically State Farm Stadium in Glendale can benefit from not only having the Fiesta Bowl, but having uh, the Sun Bowl as well. So I think the Sun Bowl, with all due respect, should go and move and relocate to Glendale. Uh, the Citrus Bowl, mm, that's kind of like a, that's a toughie. I mean, it's a nice location and everything, but I think. The Citrus Bowl, honestly, I think honestly they mm, Citrus Bowl. I, I'm, Citrus Bowl is okay where it's at, but I think honestly they probably need to revamp the stadium a little bit more. So I would say revamp the stadium, you know, and um, and then maybe you know. It'll make it look more attractive. The Independence Bowl and uh, Shreveport and um, it's got nobody really, but uh, I would say Independence Bowl. Oh, mm. I would say 
I say the Independence Bowl needs to move to Tulane. I, I hate to say that. Tulane, I think, has a more attractive stadium. I think. Let me uh, let me double check, guys. Let me let me double check here. Let me check here. New Orleans, okay. It's an on-campus... Yulman Yulman Stadium is uh, the home of Tulane. And it opened... When did it open? When did it open? When did you open? When did you... It opened in 2014. So I think... Yeah, I think it's long overdue. I think it's long overdue. I think the Independence Bowl needs to move to Yulmall Stadium. I know it's in the Independence Stadium. That's why they got the name. But I think, honestly, even those in Shreveport would be like, yeah, maybe we either need to move it or... Because here's the thing. You want to keep it in Shreveport, that's not a problem. But renovate the stadium. Make it better. Make it better. And I think you could have it more attractive. But while you renovate it, let them go to the Mall. Let them go there. Um, see what else. I can't really think of anyone else, anyone else, but I can definitely tell you just by looking at some of them, they definitely need to have a, a change in venue. Like the Arizona Bowl, seriously? If you're not going to move the Sun Bowl out of New Mexico, out of El Paso, I mean, if you're not going to, if you're not going to move the Sun Bowl out of Sun Bowl Stadium uh, in El Paso, then you know what you do? You take the Arizona Bowl, you move that you know, the State Farm Stadium. Because you know what? Nothing against the Arizona Bowl. It's probably a good bowl game. But seriously, how many teams are going to like to... How many teams, honestly, with any with some of these bowl games, like to walk onto a field knowing that they're playing on another team's field, and it's, but instead of their school name being in the end zone or the bowl's name in the end zone, instead it says the school... It's, it says the school that they're playing on. 
In other words, this one says Arizona. Nothing changes. Yeah, I get it. You know, kind of works. Arizona ball and all that. But still, change it up to it's like Arizona. It says still change it up. Maybe add the word bowl to it or something. But honestly, I think the Arizona bowl needs to move to State Farm. It needs to move to State Farm if they're not going to move to Sun Bowl Stadium, the Sun Bowl game, the Sun Bowl game there. So if they don't move the Sun Bowl from El Paso to State El Paso, Texas, to Glendale, Arizona, and State Farm Stadium. Then I say do that to the Arizona Bowl. Anyway, though, that's pretty much going to be it. It looks like we got two more bowl games coming. The Myrtle Beach Bowl and the Fenway Bowl. Huh. Going to be debuting this year. So, you know, they are expanding. They do know that. So that's pretty good. At least they are expanding, but, you know, more should come. But anyway, getting away from that, because I know we're going long here, so I do apologize. Let's take a look at our fourth topic. And that is smaller towns and cities having or getting their own local cinemas. And look, guys. I used to live in Patterson, and from what I understand, they used to have a little theater in the middle of the square. Well, not in well around the square area. Patterson, California, used to have like a local little cinema that would play movies. I don't know if it was new movies or just classic movies or whatever. They used to play them, but they used to play them. Was what I'm saying. So, to me, honestly, um. I think towns like Patterson, I think towns like Newman, or somewhere in between the two, because we got a lot of space. We have a lot of open space between Newman and Patterson that a theater, a local theater, a cinema, could be built on one of those areas. It could be. I mean, you realize how many people like having to spend money and transferring buses just to go from here or Patterson or from here, or from Patterson, or from, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Gustine, you know, just to go to Turlock or Modesto to watch a movie. They don't like it. I'll be honest with you, I don't think anybody likes it. But if both towns that are like 12 miles away from each other, like we are, if both towns that are 12 miles away from each other had something like right in the middle off Highway 33, well, sign me up. Sign me up to go and watch movies there. Because to be honest, with ticket prices going up at times, gas prices going up, it's not easy. It, it, it is not easy, guys, to to go and uh, and have some and uh, enjoy something. You know what I'm saying? It's not easy. So I, I look at it this way: not only would it be beneficial for the consumers, 
for people like me, movie a moviegoers like myself to go and enjoy a movie close by without having to transfer and transfer and transfer and transfer and transfer. But it would actually be financially more beneficial to um, to the uh, it would be more financially beneficial, I should say, to the area. I mean, you realize how much money Patterson and Newman combined would be generating if they had a theater right there when you're going down Highway 33? It would be it would be it would be unbelievable. It would be a massive success, is what I'm saying. And you could also generate other businesses going up there too. So, to me, I think small towns, small towns and cities, especially if they have the kind of uh, localization that, you know, Patterson and Newman does, you know, like the distance and all that, you know, I think would benefit from having a movie theater in those locations. I think they would benefit from it. And again... You know, the areas financially would benefit from that. Because, and also, like I said, the, the consumer, the consumer themselves would benefit from it. They would. They would benefit from it. And I think everybody watching knows that. Or li- watching or listening knows that. I think they would benefit I think they would benefit from it. Honestly, I think they would. I mean, you can't tell me. Again, you cannot tell me. Um, like I was saying. You cannot tell me that people wouldn't appreciate something like that because they would. They would definitely appreciate something like that. They, I can't say any more than that. They would really benefit from it. You know, people would love it. I mean, think about it. My family right now, my mom, my sisters, and my nephew, my great-nephew, went to go see Dr. Doolittle or the new Doolittle movie. Do you think it would have been more beneficial if maybe – my mom and my older sister didn't have to go down to Modesto. That right there, right in the middle area, as you're going past 33 and all that. Do you not know, think they wouldn't appreciate having a theater right then and there? Less gas wasted. And then if one felt like it, they could just go home and that's it. Do you not think they wouldn't appreciate that? They would. They would appreciate that. And I think, I think honestly, it would be good for everybody in the long run. So, yeah, I definitely think, I definitely think we should get small theaters. I mean, not small. What I'm trying to say is, I definitely think small towns slash cities should get movie theaters and cinemas. Should be having them and they should be getting them 
it makes economic it makes economical sense it would be beneficial to everybody and guess what it'd be in proximity of eateries yeah you want to get a burger at burger king or mcdonald's before you go see a movie bam there you go patterson has it you want to get a taco or a burger newman has it get what i'm saying makes sense and if somebody and again if you are done with the movie and you just want to go home, fine. Go home. You don't have to worry about waiting for somebody. You have your vehicles and everything. Boom, gone. So I think, honestly, it would be beneficial, like I said, to a lot of people if that was to happen. And you know what? I hope and pray it does happen around here because you know what? I think people would love it between Newman Patterson and even Gustine, they would love the fact that they could have a local cinema right there in the middle between both going between both towns. So that's just my thought on that. All right, number five. Oh, the paper just fell. I was going to say, what the heck? No, I just heard something. I thought a poster fell. Sounded like it. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about number five here. Now, earlier today, before I started doing this live stream, I actually donated to John Campy or John Campa of the John Campa Show. And every weekend, Saturday and Sunday, he uh, does a live stream where you could send a super chat or a tip because he has two ways of revenue: tip and super chat. And ask him questions of certain things, you know, that deal with the entertainment business. And I asked him basically about Joker and how the fact that the way it's presented, the way it's presented as being feeling like a non-comic book movie, even though it is, was the reason, you know, it's being praised by critics. And he answered me and said, it's not, that's not really the reason. It's being praised because it's good. And he's right. It is. Um, but he also mentioned along the lines that it seems that a lot of movies will stop pattering themselves after that. Like, you know, one of the things he brought up with another person uh, tipping slash super chatting him. And my finger just hit the mic there. I do apologize. Uh, but with somebody else tipping and super chatting him. Um, he basically brought up the fact that, you know, you know, the Batman movie that is scheduled to come out and reports have been confirming this or talking about it, rumoring it, that it's going to be kind of set in the same kind of tone as Joker. It's going to be more darker, more moodier, more, you know, atmospheric, if you will, in a sense. And one has to wonder if Joker probably set a new trend on how future comic book movies should go. Now, we know the MCU, the Marvel and Disney, they have the thing going. We know know that Sony, in association with Marvel and Disney, have their thing going. But now you got to wonder, after it's all said and done, if what DC is doing with Joker, what they're doing with the Batman, 
you know, and potentially what they're doing with Wonder Woman, even though that looks like it's a little bit more brightly visually bright, more brightly and visually different than what we got with Joker and what we're going to probably get with the Batman. You got to wonder if any other comic book movies will be going down this path. You know, there's potential for a lot of comic book based movies to happen based on, you know, hidden titles. You know, you, I, I look at one comic book series that I feel never really got its due. And that's Wildcats. Jim Lee's Wildcats. And I believe that if somebody was to decide right now, hey, I want to do a, a live action version of Jim Lee's Wildcats at, you know, if someone decided to make that announcement that they wanted to do a live action adaption of Jim Lee's Wildcats, but they wanted, people would be asking them, Right off the bat, well, that's great, but how would you present it? How is it going to be? Is it going to be like what we have with Wonder Woman? Is it going to be like what we see in the MCU, sort of with the Sony um, partner, the Sony MCU ish uh, MCU side? What's it going to be? And I could see somebody, like I said, wanting to do that adaption and saying it's going to be like Joker. It's going to have the tone of Joker. It's going to have the tone of Joker. It's going to be dark. It's going to be uh, complex. It's going to be good. So, yeah, I would not be surprised if someone, like I said, and I know I'm repeating myself, I do apologize, if somebody came out and said, hey, I want to do a live-action motion picture adaption of Jim Lee's Wildcats in the style of how... Uh, DC did Joker. Or Warner Brothers and DC did Joker. You see what I mean? I know Wildcats is owned by DC. I get that. But you kind of get what I'm saying, right? Someone could say that. They want to do that and go in that direction. And let's say for future possibilities, they achieve they achieve they achieve that goal and they make it and they get the cast they need they get all the funds and everything done or needed all the stuff they need to bring it to life and when it's brought to life and people go and see it they give it the same kind of critical play, praise that Joker got because of the fact that yes it's a comic book movie but it has a tone of it doesn't feel like a comic book movie see what i'm saying
Sorry about that, guys. I had to go turn on some lights. It's getting a little dark out here. But anyways, I adjust the mic, make sure everything's good, okay? But like I said, I would not be, you know, surprised if, let's say, somebody came out wanting to do that adaption, got everything they needed to get it done, you know, released it, and it got the praise that Joker got because of the fact that, yes, even though it's based on a comic book movie, it doesn't have the tone of a comic book movie. Like, it feels like, again, you know it's based on a comic book, but it doesn't feel like it. So you got to wonder if Joker set the trend, if Joker set that trend of, you know, it's a comic book movie, but it feel it doesn't have the feeling of one. You have to think about that. You have to think about maybe that's what we got for the future of comic book movies, you know, upcoming. Because, uh, you know, again, it, it, it's something that, honestly, I don't think anybody would have, you know, it predicted happening um, ever. You know, there's different ways of, like I said, you know, doing something based around a, a comic book movie or even a manga, if you will, an anime that makes you feel like it's not connected to the same universe or to the source material because it feels like it's its own thing. So you have to wonder if Joker may have set the standard or set a new trend for that to happen. Because think about it this way. We know that one thing people are talking about is video games probably being the next, you know, comic books, the next comic book movies for a new generation. You know, everybody's looking at, you know, certain video game titles and everything that are getting adapted that are actually turning out to be good. You know, people are projecting one title, uh, one movie that I'm going to talk about in a moment being big. But you have to wonder about other video game titles. Like, let's say Overwatch. Overwatch could be done in the CGI tone, which it's, you know, very popular with a lot of folks. But what if Overwatch got that live action treatment? Let's say somebody goes to a studio and says, I want to do a live action version of Overwatch. And then they say, and then when they're asked, okay, that's cool, but what tone, what directional tone is it going to be? And that person says, I want to try to get it to go in the direction of Joker. I want to make it feel like even though it's based on a video game, I want to give it the feeling that even though it's based on a video game, you know, people will go in and look at it like it's not. You know, basically, imagine that presentation. Okay, you want to do an Overwatch movie? That's fine. But what's the, what's the tone going to be like? Oh, it's going to be similar to Joker. It's going to be dark, gritty, a little complex. Have a bit of comedic humor here and there. And then when they're asked, well, why would you want to do that? They could say, well, because I want them to give, I want to give the audience the feeling of, even though they know it's based on something, like a video, even though they know it's based on something like a video game, it doesn't feel like it. It feels like it's its own completely different thing. So again, you have to ask yourself, did Joker set the trend for that to happen? And I have to think he did. I mean, think about it this way, guys. Think about it this way. Let's say... Let's say, what what other comic books are 
comic book titles or game titles out there we can think of? Or animes? Okay, um, let's see. We can find any examples. Okay, Cowboy Bebop. We know that that Cowboy Bebop. We know as of right now in the planning stages, if not in production, pre-production, whatever. Netflix is going to do Cowboy Bebop, but as a series. Now imagine somebody goes to a studio and says, "I want to adapt Cowboy Bebop as a live-action film." And when they're asked what tone is it going to be, they say, "I'm going to put it in the tone of the Joker." where it's dark, gritty, complex, a bit of humor, but more dark and dramatic and stuff. Imagine, like I said earlier, with Wildcats, they got the funding for that. They got everything they needed. They got their actors and everything. They end up getting they get all the piece, they get all the pieces of the puzzle together, the all the pieces of the puzzle together. They get everything done, they release it. And it gets the praise similar to Joker. Basically, if that was to happen, let's say if it was to happen, not saying it will, but let's say it does, people will point back to Joker and say, that's the reason this movie was successful. That's why this adaptation was good. Because it didn't feel like it was based on anything. It felt like its own thing. So, so you got to wonder if it, it set a trend for comic book movies and maybe even beyond that. You gotta, you gotta wonder that, if you will, because it, it, to, to me, it's more along the lines of, um, you know, what what are we getting, basically? What are we going to expect now from our comic book movies, or even anything based on something? You know, it's like what what are we expecting? What are we going to to get, if you will, in the end? So, I have to say, honestly, in my honest opinion, I think it might take time. But I think Joker did set a new trend. I really do. I mean, if people are predicting the Batman movie to be in the same kind of style of atmosphere, in the same kind of atmospheric style of mood and, you know, stuff like that, you can never tell. You can never tell. So, but, so, but, uh, yeah, I, I definitely think Joker set the trend. I really do. I think it set a new trend for what for the future of com- for comic book movies in the future and what they could end up being like. And not just comic book movies, but you know, movies based on anime slash manga, video games, and maybe even animated series from the past. Who knows? So that's about it for that one, for that topic. And on to the last topic. The Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Yes, I. You knew. You know. For those of you that have, you know, been with me for going on, what's going to believe it or not, it's going to be twelve years this this uh, June, uh, depending on whatever happens, depending on any future situations. Um, but yeah, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie is scheduled for release on Valentine's Day uh, next month. Um, everybody knows that it was originally supposed to come out last year, but because of the design and everything, people, you know, it got delayed. It had to be, it got delayed. So new effects and everything could be thrown in and the redesign could be accomplished. And the redesign was pretty much to the delight of a lot of people. Now, 
the one thing that's been going on to help promote this is we've been getting various little TV spots or promotional spots here and there. One spot that got released was, of course, the baby Sonic one. And at the end of it, we see Sonic, what looks like he's in a hut or something like that. could be his home, holding up a flower for somebody. We don't know who that somebody is. But we see in the background of Baby Sonic at the end of that what looks to be echidnas or other creatures, but more likely echidnas. Because uh, some people have pointed out that it looks like it's based on the echidna tribe that we saw in Sonic X and it's based on the Knuckles' backstory. I'm going to say this. If that's what they are, and I'm not saying they aren't, but if that's what they are, it does tie into some Sonic continuity lore. You know what I'm saying? It ties into some lore of you know them being protective of the island, not liking any of the intruders coming on it. So it's going to be really interesting to see exactly, exactly what we get uh, when this movie comes out. Now, as I mentioned uh, in the fifth topic, you know, in the topic that followed, I mentioned a certain movie that a lot of people are projecting could hit big over the weekend. Well, that is this movie. And I think if it's a success, even over one weekend or maybe a few, there's no doubt we're going to get another movie. Because pretty much, even with these trailers, even with the trailer that's come out, these clips, these TV spots, you're pretty much setting up the idea that should this movie succeed, we're going to get a sequel. And I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense. I mean, heck, the new music video that just came out, the new song, Speed Me Up, one of the guys that contributes a lyrics to that song mentions Tails. Why is he mentioning Tails? And Tails is not in the movie, as far as we know. And one has to look at that and say, you know what? I wonder if he mentioned Tails because maybe that's an Easter egg of we might see him at the end. Or that's an Easter egg of, hey, if the movie succeeds, we could see Tails in the sequel. It would make sense. Excuse me, then I hit my thumb at the mic there. Uh, Disney, I think right now, Optimus Snake Eyes, um, probably has too many properties on their hands right now because I think they even made word that they're not buying any more properties right now. And I think Hasbro pretty much is doing all right for what they are. And uh, Nickelodeon, I think, is doing what they are pretty doing pretty good with what they got with the Turtles as far as we as well as far as we could see. Uh, But anyway, getting back on topic. Um, you know, you got to wonder why he mentioned Tails in that song, in that lyric. And again, you have to think, maybe that's an Easter egg of, hey, you know, you might see him in at the end of the movie, or you might potentially see him in a sequel if the movie succeeds. And it looks like, according to some projections, box office-wise, that's ex- it's going to do exactly that. Um, but what else could potentially come out of this with the Sonic movie? You know... Well, I think obviously not only are we going to get some Easter eggs of 
a lot of Sonic related uh, shout outs. Uh, shout outs, I should say. You know, we're going to get a lot of Sonic Easter eggs, like from various adaptions of Sonic, not just the games, but from other media like comic books, you know, cartoons and stuff like that, anime. I would not be surprised if we get several Easter egg shout outs to any of those uh, medias uh, in some sense. I would not be surprised. Now, the question is, if the movie's a success, if the movie's a success and it gets a sequel, are we going to start the beginning process of a Sonic Cinematic Universe? In other words, is this possibly the beginning of the Sonic equivalent of the MCU? Who knows? Who knows? I do know that if we get a follow-up to this, that, yeah, there's no doubt we're going to get Tails, and by extension, we might get Amy Rose. But what I'm hoping we get in the follow-up, if we get a second movie, is we don't just get Tails. I think, honestly, the best thing they need to do, bring in the Freedom Fighters. Because that would be something that nobody... Nobody would expect to happen. Nobody would expect to happen. I, I don't think anybody... I mean, because here's the thing. People would expect Tails to show up in a sequel. People would expect that. People would expect Knuckles to show up in the sequel because it looks like they're setting that up. You know, here in the first movie. Some people would expect Amy Rose to show up. So, I think... You know, even though those are strong possibilities of future game characters showing up in a sequel, I think the one that would really surprise people and really show that, hey, you know, we're about the fans, we're about giving you fans what you want. I think the best solution, bring in the Freedom Fighters. Bring them in. And you know what? I, I just picture in my mind, this is what I picture. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But I picture Sonic going back to his land, Robotnik following him, Robotnik getting ready to take him out because he's kind of like a little weak. All of a sudden, you see like this arrow or this blast. Robotnik, you know, Jim Carrey's character, Robotnik, looks up and you see the silhouette. You see Sonic looking up at the silhouette, smiling and saying, oh, saying some kind of line like, hey, glad to see you guys. And then you hear a voice that sounds very similar to a certain cat sushi that says, we can't turn, it's something along the lines of, Sonic, can you not get in, or something along the lines of, it seems you just can't keep yourself out of trouble, can you, Sonic? Or something like that. I would not be surprised eyes of a moment like that was to occur. Not saying it would, but like I said, you have Sonic looking up at these silhouettes of characters that just saved him, and then one of them steps forward, and it's a freaking version of Sally. And then the other one steps forward. It's Tails. Another one steps forward. It's Bunny. Another one steps forward. It's Antoine. Or it's Amy Rose. I would not go be against something like that occurring. Not saying it would, but I would not be against it. I would not be against it whatsoever because I think... If you really want to surprise people doing something like that, bringing in characters like that, would really surprise people to no limit. 
to no limit whatsoever. It, it would I mean, you, you want people to go out, you want people to leave the cinema, leave the theater talking about your movie? This is the way you do it. Because again, you bring Tails in, expected. You bring Amy Rose in, expected. Knuckles, expected. But if you do that, and you have them save Sonic after he comes back through the portal along with Eggman, and then you have this voice similar to Katsushi's talking about the fact that you seem to you can't just seem to keep yourself out of trouble, huh, Sonic? And then next thing you know, you see this silhouette step out. You see the person step out, the character step out of the silhouette, and it's the Freedom Fighters. It's Sally. It's Tails. It's Bunny. It's Rotor. It's Amy Rose. It's it's all of them. You talk about a great shout out to the fandom of all kinds of all media. That'd be the way to do it. That to me would be the way to do it. So, yeah. As far as the Sonic movie goes, though, I know some people are thinking, why did it get a PG rating? Uh, you know, it's, a, it's well, basically, you want to sell sell it to you. You want to sell the movie to not just adults, but you want to. Well, here's the thing: it's got a PG rating because of the fact that you're selling it not just to adults, but to kids, also the whole families. And you want to have the best ticket, uh, not ticket, <laughs> the best ticket sailings of the weekend. So a PG rating instead of a PG thirteen one seems to be the right direction to go in. So again, so anyway, do I see this movie being a hit on its opening weekend? Probably, more than likely. And do I see sequels coming out of it? If it maintains its success, yes. Do I see any Easter eggs from any other Sonic media being thrown in the movie? Yes. And do I see the possibility of a cameo at the end of either Tails, which would be expected, or Knuckles or Amy, which is expected? Yeah, I do expect that. Or do I expect maybe something making an appearance from another form of Sonic media that fans are behind, fans want to see again on the screen? Yes, I do see it. I do see all that. Yeah, I do, I do see any one of those possibly happening. So overall, so overall, though, I do see the movie being a success, and I think we're going to get a sequel. And I think we'll get a lot more characters introduced in the sequel. Maybe even, like I said, surprisingly, we might get the Freedom Fighters. Who knows? So anyway, though, guys, um, I think that's going to do it. I've been doing this for about two hours. I know I've had to get up a couple of times and take care of stuff. So I do apologize on that, especially to those listening to the audio podcast. I do apologize uh, on that. But anyway, I thought I'd come on here, do this little live Saturday edition of Topics on My Mind for today, uh, January 25th, 2020. We started around 341 and we're now ending around 240, around we started around 3.41 p.m., I should say, and we are now ending around 5.47 p.m. So I thank you guys all for watching. Really appreciate it. Comment down below if you guys didn't have a chance to tune in live. And again, check me out on the, on the, podcast, uh, on the podcast streams at Podbean, 
even though that's very limited right now, you'll get an example of what you can expect there in the future. But check me out there on Podbean. Check me out over at uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and any other outlets. And you can find me under the podcast name of B.W. Rosas Discussions. So let me know what you – so again, thank you all for joining me live. Thank you all for watching. And I am out of here. Have a good night, guys. Peace.